Welcome back, citizen. You're listening to Space Trucker Radio. Everything you need to know about what's happening in the verse. Don't leave without us. We're full quantum in three, two, one. Punch it. Hey guys, and welcome back to Space Truckers Radio. This is another special edition of Space Truckers Radio Star Citizen Tales, where we will be continuing Cassandra's Tears. In episode number one of Cassandra's Tears, we covered chapters one, two, and three. And today we will be carrying on with chapters four through seven. I won't bore you with the rest of the details. As uh, you listen to the very first one, chapters one through three, you will understand what it is that we do here and where I get this information. So without further ado, enjoy Cassandra's Tears, beginning here in chapter four. Cal Mason gave a last look at the Gemini, still working its way free from Yar's gravitational pull, and at Penny and the rest of the wing falling into landing formation. It's worth it. Cal thought. By the time he convinced Admiral Showalter that there was more to the Vanduul raid than simple thievery, the Vanduul clan would have disappeared back into their territory, and military command would never authorize an operation in enemy space. So that would be that. It's worth it, he repeated to himself, and loaded the appropriate navplan file. The computer assumed control as Cal dove into the jump point. Now all he had to do was wait while the computer weaved through interspace with programmed perfection and hope that the Van Duel weren't sitting on the other side, guns ready to blast any brave idiots who tried to follow them. Hmm. Probably should have considered that before. Cal watched the countdown on his monitor. He slowly took hold of the flight controls. A finger hovered over the shield booster, just in case. He popped out the other side, ready for anything then breathed a sigh of relief. All good. He could see the flagship rejoining the rest of its clan, a fleet of junker transports, freighters, small destroyers and tankers, all of them probably the spoils from hundreds of fights over the decades on the drift. Cal shut down any extraneous systems to minimize his energy signature and cut his engines after pushing toward the fleet. He should be able to get pretty close unless they changed their trajectory. In order to see him, they'd have to look out their window. According to their scanners, he was simply empty space. People relied too much on their scanners and the tech to watch their back. Cal couldn't count the number of times he gotten out of a jam because people didn't trust or even use their senses. Cal coasted over the fleet, ready for any indication that he'd been spotted. So far, so good. He passed what looked like an old farm vessel, probably held the grow farms for the entire Vanduul clan. It was chugging along, leaking a trail of fumes in its wake. Command tried building databases of each Vanduul clan, but they were always struggling for the raw data. For as long as humans had been fending off the Vanduul, Cal was always amazed about how little we knew about them. It didn't help that the species itself was so fragmented. Even though each Vanduul clan or fleet had its own set of traditions, diplomatic affiliations, even religions, there were a few consistencies. Their fighters were eerily similar. Same with their flagships. 
Many an analyst were nuts trying to figure that one out. It was almost as if their designs were imprinted in their DNA, which had been suggested. All the same, not many people had been in Cal's position and been this close to a Vanduul fleet. So he was making the most of it, snapping and tagging each of the ships as he passed them. Military intelligence was going to have a field day with the data. Suddenly, the flagship's massive thrusters flashed. They were changing course. It wasn't until a stream of fighters began to launch out of the front that Cal knew for sure. Someone looked out the window. Cal had 30 seconds or so before he got swarmed. He fired the engine and headed along the hull of the flagship. He couldn't just bolt. Even if he made it to the jump point, he wasn't any closer to figuring out what they were up to. Nope, he had to stick around. The Van Duel fighters screamed out of the launch bays led by Black Talon. They sliced back toward the foolish, soon-to-be-dead human and found it full burning toward the jump point. The Van Duel pursued and, with their speed, easily overtook Cal's ship. Black Talon unleashed the first spray of laser fire. The rest of the Van Duel fighters followed suit. In a manner of seconds, Cal's ship was blasted to pieces. Shame, Cal thought, as he stood on the side of the Van Duel flagship. It was a good ship. He noticed something else, too. There was another ship in the distance. Too far to identify, but it definitely wasn't another Van Duel ship. Cal walked along the hull of the ship toward one of the gaping holes caused by the battle with the Gemini and climbed inside. He carefully moved down through the ship guts into a hallway. The area had been sealed off after it lost hull integrity. Cal examined the door locks. It was in Van Duel, obviously. The character system was completely foreign to him. Then it unlocked. Cal hid before the door slid open. A Van Duel in an environment suit stepped through the doorway. Cal watched him from a crevice in the wall, his pistol ready. The Van Duel approached the hole in the hull and examined it. Must be a tech assessing the damage. Cal glanced between the Van Duel and the open door. The tech had its back to it. Cal slipped past and threw the pressurized antechamber into the ship itself. Though it was nice to have gravity back, he still couldn't take off his suit as the Van Duel didn't breathe oxygen. In an effort not to think about how ridiculously suicidal sneaking around a Van Duel flagship was, Cal stayed focused on the identity of the new vessel. Fighters hadn't been redirected or deployed on site, so Cal assumed that the vessel was not a surprise to the Van Duel, in which case they might be headed to the landing bay. Cal carefully moved through the winding, sloped passageways, dodging the occasional Van Duel officer or soldier. Eventually, he saw a stream of pilots exit a door. Maybe one of them was Black Talon. Cal waited until they disappeared around a corner before checking the door they came through. It was the hangar. He moved past the stacks of Van Duel's ships to see a heavily modified constellation landing in the bay. A couple dozen Van Duel soldiers waited, weapons at the ready. Cal found a good spot to hide and watch. The constellation set down on the tarmac, its engines powered down, but someone was manning the turret. The landing bay opened. T-1 
two humanoids came out. Both wore enclosed suits, clearly not Van Duel air breathers. They were about human-sized. Cal had heard that some pirates had made deals with certain Van Duel clans, but it was pretty rare. Most were carved up on the very second they came within sight of a Van Duel ship. The large pieces of tech taken from the settlement on Yar were brought out and loaded onto the constellation. One of the two humanoids examined the tech, while the other talked with the Van Duel. When satisfied, they brought out a pair of crates. A plasma rifle hummed next to Cal's ear. Crap. Chapter 5 UEES Gemini Location Centauri System Penny hadn't moved in 17 minutes. Admiral Showalter sent for her while she was heading for the after-action debriefing. That she was expecting. What she didn't expect was the silence. Grandpa didn't say a word when she came in. Didn't say a word when she saluted. Seventeen long minutes. He just glared. She could hear the cooling ventilators kick on. She could hear the muffled voices of crew passing outside the door. All of it was deafening in this silence. Five more minutes passed. Sir, I... He silenced her with a quick motion of his hand. She stopped. Showalter lowered his hand and resumed his glare. Penny had been in this situation before. The silence was a new trick, but she was okay taking some heat. What she couldn't take was this gnawing fear turning in her heart. The fear that something bad had happened to Cal. Two systems away, in the landing bay of the Vanduul clan flagship, a plasma rifle prodded Cal Mason out of his hiding spot toward the two humanoids and the Vanduul commander. Sixteen more guns were trained on him. What the hell is this? One of the humanoids said through a heavily modulated speaker box. Hi, Cal said. He kept his eyes locked on the Vanduul commander. Apparently, the Vanduul liked directness, so he was going to give it a shot and not flinch. In his head, though, he was scrambling for ideas. The Vanduul commander drew his knife as he stepped up to Cal. He placed the keen edge against the oxygen tube as he leaned down and muttered something in his face. A mixture of growls and hisses. Vanduul always sounded like a dirty engine starting up to Cal. Who wants to know if you're alone? The first humanoid translated. I would answer him. Yes, I'm alone. The blade twisted against the oxygen tube. Another string of growls and hisses. He thinks you're either stupid or insane. Tell him I've been called both, Cal shrugged. He was just going to wait it out, see if an opportunity presented itself. The Van Duel glanced back at the humanoid who translated. The commander apparently didn't find it funny. He snatched Cal by the throat and started to squeeze. The humanoid stepped forward, speaking in rapid Van Duel. The other Vanduul soldiers aimed their weapons. The Constellation's turret scanned back and forth, the gunners obviously terrified of the rapidly disintegrating situation. Cal struggled to breathe against the vice-like grip of the Vanduul commander. All of the shouting started to swirl together. Cal's vision started to swim. A few more seconds, one last struggle, and he dipped into darkness. 
running through the fields after school. The moons of Davian too overhead. His parents' house in flames. Cal came too. It took him a moment to realize the significance of that. He was positioned facing a wall. He wasn't wearing his suit. His head was pounding. He couldn't move his hands. Felt like they were cuffed. Cal took another second or two to collect himself before rolling over. He was in the Constellation. They were just lifting off the Van Duel flight bay. The humanoid who spoke Van Duel was standing about five feet away, still head to toe in their suit. So? The speaker box squawked. How about you tell me what you were doing sneaking around a Van Duel clan ship? Cal struggled to sit up, testing the cuffs along the way. He glanced around the hold. A man climbed up from the cargo hold and whispered to the one in the suit, who nodded. Cal only managed to catch one word. Cassandra. How about that answer? It said. Sure, but let me turn it around. Make it more interesting. Cal settled back. You hired the Van Duel to hit that system. Humanoid waited quietly. What I'm trying to figure out is why you didn't do it yourself. It has to be much easier for a ship this size to get in and out of a system. The figure reached up and unfastened the breathing apparatus. So why keep me alive? Cal continued. I mean, I assume you stopped that Van Duel from killing me. The humanoid unbuckled the rest of the suit. The speaker box buzzed as it disconnected. They reached up and pulled off their face mask. It was a woman. Human. Short, cropped hair so black it was blue. Skin as golden as a sunset. Sharp, intelligent green eyes. You're a hostage. She dropped a devastating grin. I hope you don't mind. For a second, Cal really didn't. Back on the Gemini's flight deck, a miracle was happening. Pilots, prep crews, and mechanics all stared in awe and disbelief. Everyone was focused on one thing. Admiral Showalter climbing into a fighter. Navigating into the pilot seat reminded him how many pounds he'd put on since the last time he wore a flight suit. He could see his XO Marden in the rest of the bridge, all applauding as he blasted out of the launch bay. Showalter set a course for the jump point. As much as he hated this, he wasn't going to send someone else to prove or disprove his hunch. When he arrived, he didn't see anything. Scans told him the same. The system was empty. Something clattered off his wing. Showalter looked up from his scanners. He was flying through some debris. It took him a second to recognize it. It was Cal's ship. Damn it, Cal! Cal Mason finally went and got himself killed. Chapter 6 Lieutenant Cal Mason's funeral turned out to be a contained affair. The squadron stood proudly in formation, but otherwise only a handful of officers and deck crew attended. Kearney, a pit crew mechanic, showed up. Cal helped Kearney's family escape the null system about a year ago. Now the quiet giant stood there, wringing his hands, as if that would keep back the tears that were threatening to burst through. Admiral Showalter ran through the routine. His face was granite, as always. 
words were said, a three-volley salute, launched the empty casket, and that was that. The group was dismissed and gently dispersed. Penny, Showalter, and Kearney remained, as if taking a step away was a step towards accepting. Cal Mason was constantly under guard. Despite the cuffs binding his hands and the link chain to the wall, someone was always watching him. It'd been a couple of days and three more jump points. Cal was a model prisoner, but he kept his eyes and ears open the whole time. The crew of the Constellation were being extra cautious about using names or discussing things around him. That was good. It meant they weren't settled on the notion of killing him. Despite their attempts at secrecy, here's what he still managed to pick up. The ship was called the Phoenix. An engineering monitor let that slip. The big guy who'd spoken to the leader woman who may or may not be Cassandra was nicknamed Trunk. From his size and general mannerisms, he seemed like the strong arm of the bunch. There was some connection with Cassandra, but Cal hadn't figured out if it was romantic or a bond weathered by battle, thievery. There was a gunner who liked to talk, really liked to talk. His name was Nesser Yarrow. He'd flat out told Cal that one. Had a problem with the drinking, too, which explained why he didn't remember the bulk of their discussions. He also seemed to be the backup pilot when Cassandra wasn't flying herself. Cal could always tell who was flying. Where she was a dancer on the controls, he was a wrecking ball. The last crewman was the ship's mechanic. He wanted nothing to do with Cal and did everything in his power to stay out of sight, which was annoying to Nesser as it was interfering with her ongoing trigger game. Nesser called him Mahoney. It was shortly after early meal on the third day when she approached Cal, speaking to him for the first time since he was taken. Comfortable? Oh, sure. Who doesn't love being handcuffed? Depends on the company. True, Cal said with a conceding nod. She grinned. Cal weighed his options. He could dish what he knows in the hopes of catching her off guard and tipping her hand. On the flip side... If she doesn't bite, she might make up her mind on the whole kill him discussion. No, he thought. Better bide his time, see if he can get a line on what they're up to or where they're going. Consequently, a heavy pause hung in the air. Be sure to let us know if there's anything we can do for you, she said, taking a sip from her cup. How about letting me go? I'll get right on that. She started walking away. Bye, Cassandra, Cal said, mostly out of curiosity. She slowed for a nanosecond. Her mind caught the hesitation, and she tried to move on, but Cal saw it. That answers that question, he thought. It really didn't, because her name wasn't Cassandra. Sasha Tai moved up to the pilot's chair, her mind churning as to how he heard that name. She slid behind the controls and flipped it off auto. Hydraulics pulsed into the controls as she took the helm. In retrospect, she shouldn't have stopped the Van Duel from killing the pilot, Mason. Having him on board was putting everything at risk, but she had seen what Van Duel do to UEE prisoners. She told herself she would sleep better putting a round through his brain herself than letting the Van Duel go to work on him. She checked the nav plan. 
They'd been changed. Again. Nesser was wasting too much time and burning too much fuel with his inefficient flight plans. Trunk came up as she recalibrated the approach. Mahoney's got the stuff stowed, he said, checking on Cal before sliding into the seat beside her. What's going on up here? Nesser's got to run the ship into the ground, she whispered, making sure Nesser was out of earshot. Sasha paused for a second, then leaned over to Trunk. Has anybody been talking to him? I don't think so. Why? He called me Cassandra. Weird. Trunk chewed on that for a minute. Well, then he doesn't know what it is. Still. Don't sweat it, sis. If he becomes a liability, we dump him out the airlock. Back on the Gemini, Penny was in her bunk. Showalter hadn't really enforced her punishment for Cal's stunt on Yar, so she enforced it on herself. She scrubbed the flight deck, helped the pit crews, ran sims for rookie pilots, anything to stay busy. She worked herself to the point of collapse. That was the only way she could sleep. Except for today. The second she hit the bed, she realized something. In all the madness, she had completely forgotten she snatched the sis book off her shelf and pulled up all the photos Cal had sent her of the settlement on Yar. Of the missing equipment. After two hours of study, she couldn't figure out what the equipment was, so she switched to the settlement itself. Oddly, all the info links were locked behind dense security protocols. She kept prodding for a way around them, running some innocent key crackers, until one took. The settlement on Yar was set up as a research lab back in 2880. Back then, everybody was running high off the new Synthworld project. Corps were all trying to figure out ways to get their foot in the door of the lucrative government project. She kept digging. Apparently, the settlement formed to work on a single project, a project called Cassandra. Although most of it was a dense web of science-speak and formulas, the Cassandra project was attempting to redesign a planet on a molecular level. A self-replicating nanovirus designed to break down an existing planet and rebuild it. And the scientists on Yar got it to work. That's when her screen suddenly went black. Chapter 7 Penny stared at her black cis book. It was totally dead. It wouldn't even turn on. This was not happening, not after all she went through to customize this rig. Over the next few hours, she disassembled it and checked every inch of circuitry and wire. Nothing seemed blown, broken, or even frayed. While she admitted to herself that the crash was a direct result of accessing classified files, she discounted it for two reasons. One, the files on the Cassandra project were 50 years old. And two, she never heard of a way to one-shot an intruding system remotely, not without giving her some kind of warning. Hour four passed, and the frustration had really started to set in. Lieutenant Penelope Ayala? A voice said from the doorway. What? She snapped as she whirled toward the door. Three MPs were standing there. Oh. The pirate crew of the Constellation-class ship called the Phoenix slept. Nesser was supposed to be flying, but based on the snores that reverberated from the helm, his drink had gotten the better of him. Before turning in, 
the handcuffed Cal Mason to the wall between the cockpit and the forward docking collars. He started to memorize storage bays, where tools were kept, anything that could come in handy if this situation turned sour. Currently, he was on the lookout for anything that could double as a lockpick. A beeping from the helm pulled Cal away from his search. Nesser snored through it. Finally, Cal heard the door that led to the cargo hold and quarters open. Sasha walked up to the helm and shut off the alert. Trunk followed. Get him the hell out of here, Sasha said. Trunk yanked Nesser out of the pilot seat, and Sasha took his place. What the hell, man? Nesser slurred before Trunk dumped him onto the floor by Cal. Stay down. Trunk put a foot on Nesser's chest and pointed. When we touch down, we pay you off, and you're gone. Got it? We're getting close, Sasha said. Trunk nodded. Then they both looked at Cal. Get up, Trunk said. Cal stood. Trunk unlocked the cuffs from the wall, then recuffed his hands together while Sasha dug a pistol out of her locker and charged it. She pulled Cal into the back of the ship where the cargo was being stored. He saw the familiar outline of a P-52 stored in the floor among the stacks of cargo. Cal had flown a smaller variant of the short-range fighter back when he was at home. That was a starter ship, a kid's model. But to him, it was escape. Over the years, he got to know that baby inside out. Cal caught a glimpse of Mahoney, the ship's mechanic, watching from the sleeping quarters. Sasha stopped at a stack of crates. She opened a hidden panel and punched a code. A door popped open with a hiss. All of the separate cargo crates were in fact one big empty smuggling container. Sasha motioned inside with the pistol. Cal scoped it out before he stepped inside. She followed and Trunk sealed it. This container was recently used to smuggle people. There was already a stool and an empty bucket that had an odor about it. Unfortunately for Cal, he was on the bucket side of the container. Grab a seat, Sasha said with a smirk. Cal flipped the bucket with a foot and sat down. Sasha sat across from him. The pistol leveled at him. Won't your crew need you? Cal said as he sank down on the bucket. I think they can handle it. Besides, if Customs catches me on a scan... Sasha sighed. Let's just say it'll be problematic. Maybe the criminal lifestyle doesn't agree with you. Oh, no. It suits me fine. Besides, give it a month or two and they'll forget. You guys always do. Come on, always looking over your shoulder, not knowing who to trust? That's no way to live. Right, because living and dying at the whim of UEE overlords is really the way to go? It's an honest life, Cal said without hesitation. Sasha stared at him for a second before chuckling. <laughs> well, as someone who's seen the receiving end of UEE bombs on Cathcart... You can call it a life if you want, but don't you dare call it honest. A horde of ships coalesced into the roughest semblance of a line at the border to the Banu Protectorate. UEE Customs performed a thorough examination before granting access to the jump point. Auto turrets and drones covered every inch of the distance between the checkpoint and the jump point to prevent runners. The line of ships, most of them traders and haulers, inched forward. The Phoenix slowly drifted toward the jump point. Trunk was at the controls. Nesser paced around behind him and gnawed on his fingernails. 
Finally, it was their turn. The phoenix glided toward the checkpoint. A customs agent appeared over the comms. Trunk uploaded the tags. The ship's body hummed as scanners moved across it. Back in the container, Cal and Sasha glared at each other. They both looked up when they heard the scanners. Sasha looked back at Cal first. Look, once we get through, we're going to make a decision about what to do with you. She said quickly, the majority is leaning towards the airlock. I see. But you have a choice. She hesitated for a moment. Come with us. What? Cal didn't see that one coming. You saw Nestor. He's on the outs. We could use someone like you. Her emerald eyes almost glowed, despite the dimmed light. Without the rules and orders, life's wild, unpredictable, passionate. And who knows? Maybe you'll like it. If not, earn your keep for a couple months, and you can go back. You're asking me to abandon my friends, my ship, my duty, to save my own life? Cal actually looked like he was considering it. If it keeps you out of the airlock, sure. Sasha shrugged and grinned. It's not like they'd ever have to know. I'd know. Cal looked her in the eye. Any hint that he considered this proposition utterly vanished. And that's enough. The scanning stopped. They heard the engines kick in. There was that familiar lurch in the stomach of passing through the jump point. Cal and Sasha returned back to their respective glares. After several minutes, the compartment door hissed and opened. A trunk was there. Sasha pushed past him. The trunk pulled Cal to his feet and brought him back into the cargo hold. Sasha stowed her pistol back at her bunk. Trunk held Cal firm and looked at her. What's the verdict? He said. Sasha was quiet for a moment or two. She looked back at Cal. He stared right back, defiant. Kill him. This has been Cassandra's Tears, chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed presenting it to you. Look forward to further episodes of Cassandra's Tears where we will dive into chapter 8. Until then, everybody, as always, keep your eyes on the radar, and I'll see you in the verse.